Uh, last week, we, we began a three-week series on purpose. And if you missed it, we're, we're looking at what purpose is in our lives through the, the eyes of Elijah and the story of Elijah. And last week, we, we talked about how we, kind of, we started at the end of the story of Elijah and how he was under this broom bush and he was despondent because he believed the empty threats of the enemy that said that he was alone and that uh, you know, it, it got to this point where he was telling God to take his life. And what God did to minister to him in that moment where he was under this tree asking God to take his life, God gave him rest, he gave him food, and he gave him a purpose. And so purpose is very, very important in our lives. It's something that gives us life, it gives us all sorts of things. And a lot of times when we find ourselves under that broom bush asking God to take our lives, to telling God that we're all alone, it's really because we're living without purpose. And what we need to understand is that purpose is not a thing to do. It's a place to go. And that place to go is to Jesus. The purpose for all of us is to know Jesus more. We might all be gifted with different abilities and different talents, and so the job that we have might look a little different, but the purpose is the same. The purpose is the same, and it's the purpose that gives us meaning. It's the purpose that gives us joy and hope. It's the purpose that gives us healing, but, but we have to get out from under that broom bush, and I really believe that we started there last week because there was people in this room that needed to hear that. We can't go on and pursue our purpose if we're spending all of our time believing the empty threats of the enemy. And it's pretty funny, coincidentally, last week, you know, we, 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 teach, we talk about this message on feeling alone, feeling like you're the only one, and it was incredible how many people came up to me or contacted me saying, that what you were preaching to me. You know, and, and here we are in a room and you're feeling like you're alone and you're surrounded by people who feel the exact same way. You know, isn't, isn't that funny how the devil works, trying to tell you that it's just you all the time? And it's not. But, you know, it, it, we, we can look at the starting, the getting out from under the broom bush is the hardest part. And a lot of times that can be. In life, getting started is, is one of the hardest things that we can do. If, if, like, if you go to the gym, a lot of times the hardest part about working out is just getting out of bed and going there, right? You know, for me, when I, in school, the hardest part necessarily isn't the work. It's actually telling myself to turn off the TV or do whatever I'm doing, actually sit down and do the work. You know, once it's there, you kind of get on a roll, you get going, you get to deal with this momentum. It's like, okay, now that I've started, I'm on my way. And you can kind of, for wherever you're at in life, whatever you do, you can find truth in that. But what we're going to talk about today is a little different because when we're on our pursuit and we're finding our purpose and walking in our purpose for the Lord, it's, it's filled with all kinds of starts because it is also filled with a bunch of stops. And the stops can be equally hard, if not harder. But what we need to understand, when God has called you to stop, just because the work may have stopped, the purpose hasn't stopped. The purpose is continuing in those moments where we feel like we are stuck, where we feel like we are just waiting and waiting and waiting forever. The purpose is still continuing, even though the work may have stopped. And I don't know about you, but in my life, when I look back on the times when God has done his best work in me, it's in the stopping moments. 
It's in the moments where he has stopped me and said, just wait. Just wait. And so we need to grasp that fully, that just because the work stops doesn't mean that the purpose does. And so what do we do? You know, when, when we think about Jesus, he says himself, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And we, we, we see Jesus as truth. Everything he says is true. He is truth. We see him as life. He gives us life. He gives us eternal life. But he is also the way. And the way indicates that we are going somewhere, right? It's not the destination. He's the way. And what is he the way to? Well, he's the way to truth. He's the way to life. He's the way to hope and joy. But ultimately, he's the way to himself. That's what the way is. And that, again, is what our purpose is. So we have to consider that we are moving in a direction. And so because of that, the stopping is really hard. But look at it this way. When we're going on our purpose, we are not going horizontally from over here to stop to over here. We are going vertically. Our purpose is taking us vertical. And there are times, if you've ever hiked a mountain, if you've ran a bridge or done anything where you're going up, you have to stop. Eventually, you have to stop, no matter how good a shape you're in, because you get out of breath, you get tired. And so as we continue to go up, as we continue to travel vertically, there's going to be times when we have to stop and take a deep breath. And sometimes, God forces the issue. And says, you got to stop because you're out of breath. It's like when you're doing something, when you're tired, you're really not doing it well. But you just keep going because you don't want to stop. And God says, stop. Catch your breath. Because again, it's not a horizontal track we're on. It's a vertical track. We're going up. And so we have to catch our breath. So what do we do then? That begs the question, what do we do? Well, we're going to talk about that today. We're going to talk about waiting, right? We're going to talk about that, and, and it's, it's not a great, fun topic, but it's something that we need to. Tom Petty said it best, right? Y'all say it with me. Waiting is the hardest part, right? I mean, he said it himself. There it is. Thank you, Robert. It's, you know what's funny about that song? We, we hear it come on and we start, woo, waiting is the hardest part. We love singing to it, but we hate the reality of it, right? Like only Tom Petty and his genius could make that a pop song. You know, it's, it's, uh, but it's, it's funny. It is so hard. It's so hard to wait. So what we need to understand now is look at the, what we do. It's inevitable, all right? We're not talking about how to avoid it. Because waiting is good. Waiting is a good thing. So what we need to do is figure out how we behave in that. And we're going to look at Elijah. We're going to start now. We're going to go back to the beginning of the story in 1 Kings chapter 17, starting in verse 1. It says, Now Elijah the Tishbite from Tishba in Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord the God of Israel lives, whom I serve, there will neither be dew nor rain in the next few years except at my word. Boom. That is a big message to deliver to the king. Why? The Bible actually says in the previous chapters leading up to this that Ahab was the most evil king that had come in a succession of kings. The most evil. It kept getting progressively worse and worse, and then it gets to Ahab, and the Bible says he was the most evil. 
Because he and his wife Jezebel, who we talked about last week, had introduced this false god Baal. And the Israelites were starting to kind of worship God and Baal. Some of them were just completely abandoning God and going all the way over to Baal. Some were like, no, I'm going to try and worship God. Baal was the god of, anyone want to take a guess? Rain. He's a god of rain. And so when, when, when Elijah goes to the king and says, it is not going to rain anymore, the, the message there is, you can tear down all the altars and all the temples of the Lord, and you can rebuild them in the name of Baal, and you can worship him, and you can pray to him, this God of rain. But not until my God says so will it rain. Put a little more simply, my God is in charge. Worship your God all you want. My God is in charge. And this God of rain that you worship means nothing if my God says it's not going to rain. And so when Elijah goes to the king here, again, the king, right, the most evil king that Israel has seen, been, been under for a very long time, and he says, your God is powerless over my God, whom I serve. He is making a rather bold statement there. He is looking at the king in the eye saying, I don't serve you and your God, I serve my God. So let's not get it twisted, because my God is in charge, Right there, right off the bat, he makes that declaration. He says it to the king. He says it to anybody else that's listening. And I really believe he says it to himself as well. This is the God that I serve. And so I'm going to say it out loud, even for my own sake, that this is the God that I serve. We need to be like that when God has stopped us. We need to say, this is the God that I serve. I serve my God. Because, you know, a lot of times when it comes to our purpose... We're actually saying, God, you serve me. I want you to fulfill my purpose for me, and I'm tired of stopping. I'm tired of waiting. Will you serve me? I serve myself. It's tough. It's very tough. Verse 2, then the word of the Lord came to Elijah. Leave here, turn eastward, and hide in the Kareth Ravine, east of the Jordan. You will drink from the brook, and I've directed the ravens to supply you food there. So God's initial command after Elijah meets with Ahab is to go. But where he says to go is not exactly the Ritz-Carlton. He's drinking from a brook and he's getting fed by ravens. I mean, if I'm like, come on, God, if you're going to have me be fed by animals, how about like an eight-point buck, you know, or, or an eagle, you know, something that's like cool, you know. A grizzly bear brings me something, but a raven? These are full of disease. Like, you know, come on, give me something, throw me a bone. If I'm being honest, if, if, if God tells me that right after I've just confronted this king, thinking, God, you, sh you know, where's my pat on the back? Where's my that -a boy I was obedient. I just confronted the most evil king and told him that I don't serve him, that I serve you, that his God is powerless over you. You know, where's my vacation? You're sending me here? Drink from a brook and be fed by birds? But he went. It goes on to say, so he did what the Lord had told him. He was obedient. Why? Because he served the Lord. He went to the Kareth Ravine, east of the Jordan, and stayed there. The, raven, the ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the, the brook. So not only did he go, but he stayed. He stayed. Sometimes the hardest moments in our walk with the Lord is not going. 
It's staying. Sometimes he's going to lead us to the place where we have to drink from the brook and eat from, from the birds. And the question is, will we stay? Will we stay? This place that Elijah was at was a, was a town called Cherith. C-H-E-R-I-T-H. And it means to cut off. Yay! Let's go there. Sounds awesome, God. He just had this audience with the king. And God's response to that was, now I'm going to send you away all by yourself. Nobody else around. So not only was Elijah in a place where he was staying, but he was alone. And it's in those moments where we learn to hear the voice of the Lord. And isn't it interesting? Last week, we find Elijah alone. He's under a broom bush and he's asking God to take his life. Why? Because the voice that he was listening to then was the voice of the enemy. Here, he's alone, but he's not asking God to take his life. He's not saying, I'm the only one left, because he is learning to hear the voice of God. Isn't it amazing the difference in our lives with who we listen to? God is training us in those moments where we have stopped, where we are waiting to hear the voice of the Lord. When he calls us to a place like Cherith, we say, okay, I'm going to go. Why? Because I know that was your voice. And there, he doesn't leave in fear. He's not asking God to take his life because he knows the voice of the Lord. And as you continue to draw closer to God and walk out your purpose and go higher in Him, you're going to continue to learn how to hear His voice. But it's going to take quieting out all the other junk in your life and all the other noise in it. And it's hard to do that when we're surrounded by a bunch of other stuff. But the question is, in fulfilling your purpose, will you stay? Because listen to what happens. Verse 7. Some time later, the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Two very powerful phrases there. Some time later. The Bible is very funny about how it describes time. In the story of Esther, I think from chapter one, the end of chapter one to the beginning of chapter two, it says that same phrase, some time later, or something along the time had passed, something like that. And if you study it, it's actually four years had gone by. Four years from the end of chapter one to the beginning of chapter two. And I don't know how long it took Elijah in this moment to be there for the brook to dry up, but I guarantee as long as he was there, it felt a million times longer. But he stayed. He stayed there. And what's interesting is whether he is in front of the king and he's doing this amazing thing, taking this huge stand for God in front of the king and his whole court, and whoever else will listen, I am Elijah, I'm here in the limelight. And he declares, I serve the Lord. He's serving the Lord the ex with the exact same passion in this place when no one is watching. And he's not in the limelight. And there is no audience. When he's just sitting there. And that is what God is after. Are you serving the Lord when you're in the limelight as well as when nobody is watching? 
God is just as concerned, if not more, I would say, in the times when no one is watching. We don't pick and choose when we serve the Lord. We do it all the time because he is God and he is in charge. So I'll ask you quite bluntly right now, if you're waiting, if you're in that place where you have stopped, are you still saying, I serve you, Lord? You are in charge. When no one is watching, when the brook has dried up, when the brook has dried up, that's the other powerful part of that verse. You know, I don't think, it's one thing if Elijah was sitting there and the brook is flowing, there's plenty of water, and then the next day it's just done. But that's not how it works. Elijah got to look at that brook, it less and less, every single day. That was the only water he had, to the point where I picture him on his hands and knees, slurping whatever little bit of water was left. Think about that. Every single day, he was seeing his provision just dwindle to the point where it got to nothing. God, you seeing this? It's drying up. Got a couple more days. I'm waiting. I'm waiting for your voice. He stayed. And as the brook dried up, he stayed. Because the purpose for him was not what he offered God and what he could do, but it was loving him more, drawing closer to him more. The work could wait. The work was in God's timing. And so again, that's where we get things backwards. We get antsy because we think the work can't wait. We have to do it. Look, God uses us because he loves us, not because he needs us. The work is secondary. The purpose is getting to know him more. And are you willing to stay when the brook dries up. I'm going to read this story out of this book I'm reading. It's really cool. It says here, one of the best known of the desert fathers of the 4th century Egypt, Saint Serapion the Sindonite, traveled once on pilgrimage to Rome. Here he was told of a celebrated recluse, a woman who lived always in one small room, never going out, skeptical about her way of life. For he himself was a great wanderer. Serapion called on her and asked, Why are you sitting here? To this she replied, I am not sitting. I am on a journey. We get so consumed with going, going, going. God's saying, Sit still. Sit still. You're on a journey, whether you're sitting still or going. What are you going to do when the brook dries up? Are you going to stay? Are you going to continue to declare that, God, you're in charge and I serve you? Are we going to quit? That's really the only two options. I'd love to say that there's more. But what we need to understand is in those moments, God is doing his best work and your, the purpose in your life has not stopped just because you're not moving. The Christian faith, we are, we are travelers. We are on a mission. We don't have a mission. We are on a mission. We are going towards the way to Jesus. And he is drawing us in. He's drawing us up. But sometimes that requires us to stop. And if he does that for Elijah, if Elijah needed it, Chances are we do too. 
Let's have the band come on up. And we're going to close with worship today. If you think about it, you know, Moses was in the prime of his life. The prime of his life when God said, I want you to go out to the desert and just wait. Just go out of the desert. And then after 40 years, one day randomly, he goes by this burning bush. And that's when he says, all right, it's time. We, we look at so many external things and how we would get it done. God has this whole other thing going on. This whole other thing. I read this quote this week. It says, to believe in God is not to accept the possibility of his existence because it, because it has been proved to us by some theoretical argument. But it is to put our trust in one whom we know and love. It's about putting our trust in him. It's about getting to know him more. And how do we do that? This might sound familiar if you were here last week. But it's out of John chapter 15 in verse 4. Remain in me. And I will remain in you. For apart from me you can do nothing. How do we stay in that place when the brook dries up? We remain in him. We pray. We draw closer to him. We worship. We come to church for crying out loud. We get surrounded by people who are going to speak life into us. We don't start listening to the empty threats of the enemy. We listen to the Lord. We wait on his voice. We've seen the difference in the two. One leads you down a path of destruction. And one says, I serve the Lord. But don't give up. Remain in Jesus. He paid the ultimate price for each one of us so that we could remain in Him. To draw us closer to Him. We're going up. We're going, he's, he's bringing us to Him. He's bringing us up to a place that we never thought we could ever be. To do things that we never thought we could do. And don't get discouraged. If you're in that place of waiting. If He's told you to stop. Just because the work stopped doesn't mean the purpose has stopped. He's working in you. He's working in you. And that should be something that excites us. He's working in you. And he's working on you. He's preparing, we're going to see next week, something else for Elijah. He was allowing Elijah to learn how to hear his voice so he could do something that was unprecedented up until that point in the Bible. And there are things that God wants to do through you that are unprecedented. But it can't happen if we don't hear his voice. It can't happen if when the going gets tough, we say, I don't serve the Lord anymore. He's not in charge anymore. It happens when the brook dries up, we say, I serve you, Jesus. I serve you because you are God and you are in charge. And so here's my life. I'm not going to look at the brook. I'm going to look at you. And believe in that moment that he has something for us on the other side. Let's stand up. I'm going to read this last verse. Isaiah 40, starting in verse 28. Have you never heard? Have you never understood? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of all the earth. He never grows weak or weary. No one can measure the depths of his understanding. He gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. 
Even youths will become weak and tired and young men will fall in exhaustion. But those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will not, they will walk and not faint. Just because the brook dries up doesn't mean God has stopped working on you. Trust in Him. Trust in Him. And you will get new strength. Because here's the secret. The strength doesn't come from the brook. It comes from Jesus. When we abide in Him, He gives us strength. He's going to do something unprecedented in you. He's going to do something unprecedented here at Beaches Chapel. We're going to see those miracles. Walls are going to come down. Hallelujah. Let's pray, and we're going to worship. Jesus, we love you, Lord. We love you, God. Tell him you love him right now. Thank you, Jesus. We love you, Father. And we thank you, God, that your work in us never ends. When we think that we're stalled out, when we're weary, when we're tired, we're tired of waiting. When the brook is dried up, God, we know that you are God and you are in charge. The brook doesn't dictate you. You dictate the brook. So God, right now, forgive us if we've stopped saying we serve you, if we stop saying you are in charge. God, that ends right now. We worship you, Jesus. We say you are in charge and we do serve you. And we know that there are greater things to come, things that our minds couldn't fathom, things that we haven't seen before, things that we haven't experienced before. Miracles, Father, miracles, Jesus, that are gonna go beyond our own purpose, but the purposes of those around us, God. Thank you, Jesus. God, we love you. Thank you for always bringing us higher, bringing us to a new place. And God, if we're in a place where we gotta catch our breath, to learn to hear your voice even clearer, then praise God for that. We love you, Jesus. Let's worship.